The Count of Monte Crisco. Crisco. Wait, not Crisco. The Count, the Count of Monte Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> and you wrote that too. I did. I did. Welcome to Book Talk, etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR, etc., and I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about books that feature revenge. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share a few of our recent revenge reads. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I am good. I'm excited to share some revenge books. Oh, I know. And I, I can't wait to hear what you are bringing. Mm-hmm. I have no. I don't think I have any idea. I think you do, but that's okay. Okay. I think I was. I think I spoiled it a couple times. Well, <laughs> I may have. Of course, I forgot. So it'll be. Oh right. It'll be a like, surprise to me today. We talk about so many books. It's like a, it'll be new to me today. So I'm buzzing because we just booked our summer trip. We're going to Cancun for like six oh, days in June. Nice. I love Cancun. Jonathan and I have not been on vacation since our honeymoon in 2018. Oh. So together, like we've taken the kids or Lily with us mm-hmm. to places, but we've not been on a true vacation since 2018, which obviously a lot of people have not been traveling, but mm-hmm. I'm like looking at my calendar like, oh, I'm excited. There's something to look forward to. Uh, here's a question for you. Yeah. Will you try to recreate your underwater book shot for everyone on Instagram? You know, if I did, I don't know if there is a see-through pool at this resort. We're staying someplace okay. different. So, but if there is, I mean, I think I could be talked into it. I will okay. need a different swimsuit though, because that one's <laughs> a little busty for the internet. <laughs> so, but it was fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely bringing many titles that I'm going to read in the pool and people are going to get mad because like, how do you bring a book in the pool? And I'm going to be like, I'm on vacation, baby. It's, no it's happening. Ki- do you take a Kindle in the pool or just I'll books? take a Kindle in the okay. pool too. Look, I'm reckless, but I need <laughs> to read on vacation. It's the yes. absolute joy of my life. It's so fun. I have other fun too. I remember somebody commented on that post when I was like, oh, I'm bringing this, these, these books on my honeymoon. Someone's like, oh, sounds like a fun honeymoon. You're going to read the whole time. I'm like, listen, there's 24 hours in a day. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, right. I'm not going to be reading the entire uh the entire trip thank you <laughs> right and it's also fun to see what you're going to pack in your mm-hmm. what oh, books are you going to pack i can't i mean that you can do like a little uh reveal for all of us right before your vacation and tell us what books are going and then we can look forward to finding out what you actually read mm-hmm. okay that's i mean it's for research that's what i'm right. hearing this trip is for mm-hmm podcast research. There you go. I love it. There you go. Do you have any trips planned this summer? No, I wish we did. We don't. We'll go to the lake and Mm -hmm. no. And I I miss that we missed our Cancun trip in February. So maybe next Mm -hmm. year because there's something about Mexico and Cancun and it's just so pretty. The water, everything. I love just reading on the beach. I know. I've been a couple times. Are you a, a beach reader or a pool reader or both? I'm both. I uh, I like to sit on the beach and read. Mm-hmm. I do not like to get in the ocean. Same. But I like mm-hmm. to get in the pool <laughs> and yeah. read. So I, I usually alternate. I'll go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Really, you'll find me under like a big umbrella because I like to read mm-hmm. in the shade. Yeah, of course. I am a pool girl. I, I don't think I went to the beach, but one time on our honeymoon, I'm like, I cannot I don't like to be dirty. I don't like sand. <laughs> you don't like I'm sand. very fussy. <laughs> but I mean, I'll make an exception for, you know, vacation. I'm excited yes. though. But yes, I will say pool reader is, that's my speed. That's where you're going to find me because there's a swim up bar there too. You know, oh, I can yeah. just like, hi, can I have a margarita? Delicious. How much? It's going oh, to be so fun. All right. All right. We're obviously in ready for warmer weather because totally. it's still in the 40s in <laughs> Illinois and Ohio, but... It's there. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We'll get there soon. Oh, I thought so. Right. (laughs) I know. Almost. A few more weeks. 
it's getting discouraging. Yeah, let, let's go. Let's find out what we're loving lately. I want to okay. hear what what are you bringing this week? Well, I am bringing literally something that I've been loving lately. I have been for I'm showing Renee. I've been forcing it into <laughs> I've been telling everybody that I see at work. I went in this to the office twice this week. I'm like, guys, look at my new water bottle. They're like, ooh, <laughs> tell us about it. So what I'm showing is a water bottle called the Mukoko 32 ounce glass water bottle. Okay, it's nothing fancy. It's not like a the name brand water bottle, but I got it from Amazon because what I was looking for was a tall water bottle that holds a lot of liquid that's made of glass, but that can fit in your cup holder mm. in your car. Okay. Because I have like a wider bottom one that's fine, but like I can't bring it with me. That one doesn't have a straw. Like it's a whole thing. So this one, I wanted a straw. The straw that it comes with is like probably, I don't know, it's super tall. It it fits into the very bottom of the bottle. It gets there's two tops. There's one that looks like wood that you can stick the straw in. And then there's this black one that you can tie and it locks. So you can put this whole thing in your bag without it spilling. There's a rubber sleeve around it. So it's not clanging around and like you're, you don't have to worry about breaking it. I have the white one, but it comes in multiple colors. I'm very much still in my organizing mode in the house and in my brain. Mm -hmm. So my plan is I was looking for a one-stop shop water bottle and I think I found it so I can get rid of the ones that aren't serving me. I have so many that I'm like, oh, this one again. <laughs> this is the only one I can find. I told Johnny's not allowed to use this one. This is mom's water bottle. Of course, Lily still like comes over and tries to drink from it. But <laughs> if you're in the market, I highly recommend this one. It's also not terribly expensive. It was 20 something dollars. So we'll obviously link to it in our show notes. This was mm -hmm. the Mukoko 32 ounce glass water bottle. Okay. Awesome. I am in need of a new one. I I go, I don't think mine holds 32 ounces, but the seal is loosening. And so I can't ever get the lid on and I knock it over. I don't know how I all the time, which, <laughs> which I see that yours is protected. So that would still yes. work. Yes. Oh, and two, I was like, okay, I'm trying to drink more water. That was my thing. I'm like, I need to, if I fill it up, I'll absolutely drink it. But mm -hmm. if I don't have a cup, I won't think like, oh, you haven't had any water today. So mm -hmm. this is my way of staying hydrated. If you drink four, that's a gallon, which is my goal for every day, which is a boatload of water, right? <laughs> but trying to be better about it. But it is good for you. It's good for your skin, good for everything. Exactly. All right. Okay. What about you? Well, I am bringing a, a new podcast, not just new to me, but actually, but brand new. And it's called This Morning Walk. And it's with Alex L. and Libby Delena. And I follow Alex L. And it's Alex L. E-L-L-E. -L -L -E, and I'll link to her and her Instagram. I follow her on Instagram. And I had subscribed to her gratitude newsletter. She she puts out a really nice newsletter. I have her book. I just really, really enjoy the content that she puts out. And she, I had been following along on Instagram. She started walking in the fall. And then she started a, a separate Instagram for that called This Morning Walk. So this is a new podcast with Libby Delena, who is a friend that she met. Libby has a book out. I think it's called Do the Walk. I will uh, link to that. I'll put the correct title. But they are going to be talking together about the transformative power of walking. I love to walk, especially in nature. And I really like the concept of this podcast. They have an intro, uh, intro that was really good and one episode. And they're chatting about life issues, but also combining it with the power of walking. And I really like it. I'm curious to see where they're going to take it. They mentioned having guests, but both of them are really down to earth. And it's not a little, It I don't know, it's not woo-woo, but it also is mm -hmm. a little, you know, I feel I feel some of the other talk about meditation and centering. And so if you like that, which who doesn't need a little centering in their lives? Mm -hmm. I really like it. And I really like hearing about how people make walking a priority. Libby Delena has walked every single day for 10 years. Oh my gosh. And lives in the Northeast where it's super cold in the winters. And I, I find that fascinating and inspiring. I usually walk year round too, not every day, but but now I'm like, gosh, you're close, they're making, you're I'm close very close. <laughs> I am very close to every day, especially yeah. with having a dog that 
loves to walk. So anyway, that's the po- that's a new podcast called This Morning Walk. I love this. I am about to teach a mental health class for undergrads this spring. Oh. So this is really perfect timing because in the mm-hmm. class we're talking about wellness, meditation, centering, exercise, getting out there, doing all these things for yourself because you can't be your best at anything else if you're not taking care of yourself. And it gets so easy to be like, I don't have time for meditation. I'm the queen of saying I don't have time to work out or walk or do whatever. Mm-hmm. And true, I have a busy schedule, but you can find ways to make it work, especially walking. I have a treadmill in the house. When the kid goes to bed, I could go downstairs and walk, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no, not to say there's no excuse, but yeah, that's, it sounds interesting and it sounds accessible. Not like, right. I don't, I don't love when people are talking about like wellness and mental health and it's like shoving it down your throat. Like, ah, you know, you, you've got to do it this way. There's only mm-hmm. one way to do it. This sounds much more approachable. You're, you're exactly right. And they don't even begin to tout that there's only one way to do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get that feeling from following Alex on Instagram and getting her newsletter. And she's also a work in progress and isn't trying to tell anyone that she has it all together. And mm-hmm. I re- that, that's what I really like about the quality content she puts out. Nice. I'm glad you yeah. brought this. I'll have to subscribe early before this mm-hmm. episode drops. <laughs> so remind <laughs> me of this later. Okay. All right. Well, okay. We're going to take a sharp turn from wellness and drinking water and bettering yourself into my latest read, which is about obsession. Ooh, so okay. my latest read was called A Novel Obsession by Caitlin Barash. And I got this recommendation from you, Renee, from uh-huh. our March Books on the Radar episode. I did ask before grabbing this one <laughs> as my latest, like, are you sure you're not going to read this one anytime soon? Because right. for me, I read a few pages. I'm like, ooh, um, excuse me, I am in. I already want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So this book is a debut. It is a story about, a, about an, an aspiring novelist who finds herself stalking and then writing about her boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. This book helped me realize that I have a niche trope interest and I love when one character sets up another one to meet under false pretenses. I love that. Naomi Ackerman is a New York bookseller who's desperate to write a novel. She has all the support in the world. Her wealthy grandmother has given her an apartment in the city so she doesn't have to worry about making rent she's struggling to be creative and to find a story to tell. She's one of those folks that's like, oh, I'm a writer. I have a notebook. Oh, I'm a writer, but doesn't really have anything but a few (laughs) short stories to show for it. And the book opens shortly after she's met Caleb, who is a perfectly nice guy who's Welsh and is uniquely patient. He works as a disaster preparedness mathematician, and he's pretty stable, and she seems to be pretty quirky, and it looks like things are going well until she learns about Rosemary, who is Caleb's ex-girlfriend. She originally thought that Rosemary was back in the UK, but when she finds out that she's also in New York City and an editor at a literary imprint, she loses it. (laughs) She starts (laughs) to basically question everything. Does Caleb really like her or does she, or does he just like her type? And she begins to stalk her. First, she starts on social media. She finds out her name, and then it gets to being in person. She's like, oh, I just want to see what she looks like. But as things do, it devolves. And she's like, oh, well, if we both loved Caleb and he loves both of us, what else do we have in common? And she becomes pretty consumed by her curiosity. And it does end up morphing into a a friendship under these false pretenses because Rosemary doesn't know who she is. Naomi wants to be her friend. And this becomes a subject of her novel. This was a very Tina book. It's claustrophobic in that you're in the mind of Naomi the entire time. There's not Mm. alternating timelines. And I love an unhinged character. (laughs) She's not unhinged in a mental illness way or exploitation way. She's just, it's interesting. She's very millennial. She's very aware of herself. And she should have read as super untitled and very unlikable, but I didn't get that from Mm -hmm. her. She's got this level of self-awareness that I really appreciated. And she knows she shouldn't be doing these things. She knows she shouldn't be obsessing about this woman, but she can't help it. And she also shares with her best friend and her grandma. She has a really close relationship with her grandma. You would like that side character. But she tells them basically what she's writing about. And they're like, um, 
are you actually stalking? Don't do that in person. And like she admits to it in ways. And I found myself sort of almost feeling bad for her in some ways because she's very much measuring her self-worth by external validation, by likes on social media, by how successful other people think she is. I loved this peek into the mind of a writer, very much set in the literary world. She works in a bookstore. Rosemary is an editor. They t- they're both writers. They talk about the writing process. And it made me wonder if people who are friends with authors in real life are continuously wondering if things they do together is going to end up in their novel. Because oh, like, yeah. I could absolutely, st- you write about life and things you experience. So I'm like, wow, I never, I guess, thought of it in that way. Things escalate throughout the book. It was kind of like watching a slow motion car crash because you're like, this is not going to end Mm -hmm. well. How is this going to end well? I thought this was very clever and very well written, although I did find the ending a bit abrupt. I still really enjoy this, like much, much more than I was expecting to. I think you'll know pretty quickly if this is your kind of book. If you like the first 10, 15 pages, it's consistent throughout. This was a novel obsession by Caitlin Barash. And you tried this one, right? A very few amount of pages. It was for one of our episodes, so I I think it was reading so specifically, yep. And I I just wasn't sure if it was going to work, mm-hmm. and so that's why I I set it down. There's no other reason than that because I I really didn't get that far. And mm-hmm. you saying unhinged, which I immediately thought what you were talking about sounds like someone that just let things get so out of hand, and then she ended up getting pulled into a downward spiral looped Mm -hmm. or hole where she couldn't get out. And I really like the idea of that because I'm wondering, and I think when I brought it as something I was interested in for books on the radar, I was wondering then like what happens and how Mm -hmm. is she, if she does, how does she get herself out of it? Mm -hmm. So you still have me super curious about that. Oh yeah. And it's, I will say if you're a sensitive reader, it's not like graphic. It doesn't get Mm -hmm. I say unhinged, but a very polite unhinged. <laughs> like it doesn't go completely like because I've you know we've read right. some like it doesn't go Joe Goldberg territory. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't get that severe, okay. but it still is pretty. It's pretty good. So yeah, I would say I do. I think you'd like it. I am unsure. I think this could be really good on audio. I was trying to get the audio in time, but I only read it in print. So I think I do have the audio. Yeah, that one might be good on audio because you're kind of like, what's going to happen? How's this going to end? I could not, like, this was one that kept pulling me back in. That's how Mm -hmm. I knew I was enjoying it. I'm like, I got to pick this book back up. Like, how is this going to end? Okay, good. I love that feeling. Okay, my latest read is a new release, and it actually releases today, April 12th. (laughs) And it's Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpott. Mm -hmm. And I chose this because uh, I loved her first book, which was a book of essays, I Miss You When I Blink. Really love that. And I do think I listened to that one and I listened to this one as well. I did end up alternating a little bit with my print copy, but Mary narrates herself. So of course, it's great to hear a memoir when the author narrates their own material. And this is a memoir that tackles big questions about life, death, and existential fear. And she does it in a way that offers a really in-depth look at fear, especially if you are a mother that worries about everything. That's definitely what she's doing. But she uses a lot of humor and there's always an optimistic tone. It's almost like you get such an in-depth look at her day-to-day life and what goes through her mind as she works out how to navigate these really scary situations as when you're a parent and you have, and she's got two kids, a boy and a girl and there is, and something happens to, to her son. And that's kind of the, the jumping off point for this story. And it's very scary. And she really wants to look at what happens when you think that you can keep everyone safe. And is, if you only do things the right way, and if you care enough that things will turn out fine. And that doesn't happen and that can't happen. And so she wants to examine how do we keep going when we can't know for sure what's going to come next. And this is a look at anxiety and a look at optimism and a look at limits on our body and our mind, especially as we're aging. So I really think she hit 
all of those points really well. And she does give a lot of personal stories. There's a really quirky follow, like, and, and it's a thread that goes through the whole book about the wild animals that come to their, in their yard and how they take care of them, especially in particular turtles. And I kind of found myself really fascinated by that. And then actually thinking, oh, that would be me. That would totally be me if I had the same wild animal coming in <laughs> and the way they took care of it. And it it left me wondering, and I was really hoping that all would turn out well for that. So when I did read this on my Kindle, I was able to highlight and note so many life wisdoms that the way she can, on the one hand, make you feel like she's so approachable in what she's talking about, but then is able to write in such a way that it's something that you also feel and think, but I could never have put it in words like that. And she's able to do that. And I and those mm-hmm. all went into my notes. There were times when I want when I personally just wanted or needed less detail because I am not at this point in life anymore as far as having teenagers at home. I think if you have young kids and tweens and teenagers, this will speak to you on so many levels. And it did speak to me. I just am at a different place. And so mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't need all of those so many day-to-day details and and my kids have already went to college and this is definitely her personal story. So of course, that is what she's going to write about. I am waiting on the day and I know it's coming when she's going to dig into midlife and empty nest and I will be waiting. I'll be the first in line for that book. But this one is Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpot. Wow, you did a great job with that. You identified a couple of things. That's this mark of a great memoirist who's able to take these minutiae, this every day, and just really feel like you're seen as a mm-hmm. reader. Yes. And that's yes. like, she seems to be really good with that. I also read I Miss You When I Blink when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't connect with it as so many readers had because I was in a different phase in life. I was mm-hmm. a little bit younger or am, I guess. And so I didn't have kids yet at all. So I was like, I get it. I hear what you're saying intellectually. I just had no personal connection to it. But now I'm curious, having almost a two-year-old, if I would see that differently. So it's funny that we're like on opposite Mm -hmm. ends of the spectrum, can recognize that it's a good book, but like, you know, how much more impactful it would be if that was our current phase in life. Right. What I really, really resonated with, when she needs to tackle a problem, especially, she she goes down a research rabbit hole. (laughs) And I was like, hello, (laughs) that's me. There was just so much of her experience as a woman and worrier and the way her mind works with needing to have all the answers that I felt that. So there's definitely much to pick out that you would Mm -hmm. connect with, even if you're not in this particular phase of life, for sure. Nice. Okay, good. Well, we are talking today about revenge. And this actually, the idea for this episode came about on air when we were recording a different podcast episode. We were both kind of like, wait a minute, Put a pin in this. We we like revenge. <laughs> we <stories>. like revenge. <laughs> yeah, and on occasion, it's fun to do a very niche episode, like on specific topics. And I think we both settled on: in order for a revenge story to work, we need good motivation. Would you say that's true? Yes, I do want to be particularly interested in the type of revenge. Is that mm-hmm. is that how you felt? Yeah, the way that I come at it, I almost like to see the arc of the character. So in the beginning of a story, you're like, okay, this thing happened. You're sympathizing with the character. And then this character decides to take revenge on whatever, whomever. And then you almost see them go through this phase where you stick around long enough and now they're the villain, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what's interesting. I do love a character-driven story. And I find revenge stories, oftentimes you're in the mind of that character. You're really trying to understand their motivation. You're understanding their morality, their viewpoint. Now, you may not agree with what they do, Mm -hmm. but you can understand how they got to that point. Right. Okay. So looking at revenge in general, revenge as a theme, what I started to, to think about and I wanted to ask you, is revenge something that could be considered a universal theme? So I'm saying that as, do we think it is something that 
everyone in some way, shape, or form may have thought about, even if it's just mm-hmm. fleeting, even if someone mm-hmm. cut you off at yeah. a stoplight and you, and that's what just I was thinking, in that, road rage. Yeah, road, yeah, just in that instance, you're, you know, you're like, uh, so mad. But then for most of us, we move on. Mm-hmm. But when we're picking up a revenge story where we suspect, like, if we know ahead of time, or maybe we're reading and we figure out, like, oh, this person has been wronged by someone and they're not okay with it. So mm-hmm. in our stories, in our books, we get to experience revenge and the fact that it sometimes goes very, very wrong. for. Yeah. And so if you're rooting for that person and then you're like, oh no, this is not going to turn out well for you. There's just something about that theme, I think, that pulls me in and makes me feel like, it could apply to anyone at, at some point. Mm-hmm. What do you I think? I think it's universal, for sure. It is a universal instinct, right? Because it's kind of potentially motivated by jealousy, by vengeance. Mm-hmm. And the character is basically like feeling wrong. They feel like they've been slighted or something happened to them. And it's their attempt to right that wrong and say to whomever or whatever, you're not getting away with this. You need to see the impact of what you've done. Right, right. And sometimes what I've found is revenge can be justified. And and sometimes revenge is not at all justified. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so there's two different or or more ways of looking. And I think what I found online was a particular part of revenge about a, as a literary theme. And that comes down to the protagonist or the main character's motivations. What are they being motivated by? Who's mm-hmm. their target? And then the impact on everybody. Right, the fallout. And I think that's what I really love. Yes. It's almost like this, like I was talking about with the novel Obsession, this building. Yes. It's slow motion build to something, some sort of climax. You're like, this is not going to end well, or maybe it will. Or like, how is this going to end well? Where is this going to go? You are exactly right, though. It's a buildup and it's a fallout. Yes, it's a buildup. And and like I get that tension when an author is able to build that tension so well, even if it's not wild. I'm not talking like shootouts and like car, car, car chases and things. I'm just like petty terrorism almost. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, how is this? Like, no way. Is this person going to get away with it? Or like, it's just fun to read about. Absolutely. So I do have some favorites from this trope, if you will. One that came to mind right away was Carrie by Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Classic. It is the classic revenge story about a girl who was bullied, bullied, bullied and gets revenge on her classmates at prom in a very shocking way. That book is wild. It was his debut, so it's definitely aged, but the concept is still there. Yes, and then last year, of course, we both loved and some of our listeners loved Confessions by Kane Minato, which went yeah. in ways that was like, okay, that's an unhinged character that's like going to get their way. Oh, what a diabolical. I mean, talk about, talk Ooh. about diabolical. That's a psychological thriller for sure. <laughs> like mm-hmm, that really mm-hmm. messed with the readers. Yes. I had um, one of my first thoughts was Razorblade Tears. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Love razor blade tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one too where you're almost like, wait, you understand their motivation, but are they going to turn into villains? Like what's going to happen in mm-hmm. this in this instance? Exactly. I also thought of The Collective by Allison Galen, and mm-hmm. that was a parental revenge story, which is yeah. kind of different. Yeah. Because, right? I mean, you do read a lot about women getting revenge on husbands or spouses or partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was a little bit of a different take. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And I like that when it's somebody different, that siblings, it's, um, you know, family, it's friends, it's your coworkers. Like, I like that versus like a husband-wife duo. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, certainly there's been really, really good husband-wife revenge stories. Okay. But I'm being purposely vague because this is kind of a hard topic to talk about. I know you were noting this. Yes. It was hard to find books about this because we don't want to spoil anything. We don't want to spoil and say, like, by the way, this person gets revenge in the end, you know? So the books that I chose today, at least, are two that it's very, very obvious. Like, that's part of the plot, right? Is is a revenge. You knew it. You're saying you knew ahead of time. Like you yes, knew going you knew in. ahead of time. Same exactly. for me. It's not like a spoiler. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I didn't realize until I had to dig into finding new books. I think 
we often don't realize that revenge is a part of the story because it's a plot twist or it's yeah. a, yeah. and so that made it a little more difficult to find. Yeah. Books. And I have a recent read you would never have, and I'm not going to say what it is because it's a spoiler, but I would, I was not expecting it. I'm like, oh, this is very clever. They incorporated oh. a little revenge aspect, very, very minor, but it was incorporated into the plot and it was not a book that you would have expected that sort of thing from. Okay. Well, I have two questions for you. Do you have a favorite revenge setup to read about? Avenging a death. All, every okay. time. If okay. somebody, because I think the reason that that is so impactful to me, I'm a peacemaker, man. I don't like conflict, <laughs> but if something happened to somebody that I love, like that is something that I would not be able to get over. Okay. So I just think, man, when it's done well, it's done very well. Mm-hmm. What about you? I do like that. I like that one a lot. I think I like people who don't intentionally, they're good people. They don't intentionally set out to enact revenge, but something happens and that that pushes them in. So it really yes. doesn't matter to yeah. me if it's mm-hmm. a parent or a sibling, like a sibling, or it really doesn't matter to me who it is. I just want I want to see that downward, that downward spiral. I want and the yeah. and then see what the fallout ends up That's being. The fun part is mm-hmm. seeing the characters kind of devolve. Yes. What's your second question? Will you ever get tired of reading about revenge? No, and it's funny because <laughs> I am not a person who holds a grudge in real life at all. I'm mostly like, ah, oh, the universe will rectify it. Like you know, these things, whatever. I can like rationalize it in my own life. Like I don't feel like this burning desire to get Mm -hmm. revenge ever. But I think that's partly why I like reading about revenge, though. I like seeing characters go off the deep end and getting to that point and and breaking. Or maybe it's some sort of like buried desire of mine to have enough motivation to get revenge on somebody (laughs) that deserves it. Not that I have anybody in my life, but I'm like, man, could you imagine, you know, like, right. There's some sort of like almost satisfaction in it, I suppose. Uh, I I agree with you. I agree Mm -hmm. with you. And we both tend to be more along the rule following line, right? We're not, yeah. we're most yeah. likely not going to be out seeking revenge. Yeah. So I don't think I'll ever get tired of reading about oh. it. I just thought of another trope that I really like. What? Revenge served cold. Like if it's been oh. years and someone comes oh. back later on and wants to like, be like, remember when you did that to me in 2009? Yeah, baby, it's it's payback time. <laughs> oh, patient revenge. Patient revenge. Patient yeah. revenge. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Did you have any books that you were looking at that you obviously that you didn't get to that are still on your revenge to read list? Yes. There was this book. So I of course was doing research, figuring out what are some of like the top revenge books. Mm-hmm. And this one kept coming up. It's called Different Class by Joanne Harris. And this one, did you see it? I looked at it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's from 2016. And it's about it's English. It's about a boarding school or a private boys' school, and it looks like this teacher used to do bad things to students, and someone is coming back to get revenge on the institution that wronged him when he was younger. I did try a few pages. It was very stuffy, and I was like, I don't have the capacity right now for this. <laughs> Literally, I tried like maybe two, three pages, but it was I could tell it was one I was like not going to be sucked into right away. But it's still on the list. I would, you know, I do like a mm-hmm. like a private school type yes. setting. I bet. What about um, you? Yeah, I bet audio too for that, if it's British. Oh, that could be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. British narration. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's sitting on my bookshelf. I have a print copy. The Count of Monte Cristo is the classic, right? Right. It came mm-hmm. up on all the lists and there was no way I had time to How squeeze that How many pages is that book? Oh, gosh. I don't know. thousand? Well, I... Why did I even buy a print copy? I don't know. Well, Barnes and Noble had it on sale, but I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to read this. So I do, and I haven't yet, but any, I want to. I used to do that like way back before I had a lot of books. I was like, I would buy like classics because I'm like, those are books that I should want to have on my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that's what you did, but I acquired some strange books like F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like, I don't read those types of books right now. So I was like, why do I feel like <laughs> these are the only ones? Worthy of being purchased. I'm glad I got over that. But let's see. So The Count of Monte Cristo was published in 1844. Wow. And it is, it says the average reader will spend 30 hours and 56 minutes reading this book at 250 words per minute. Wow. Okay. 
We're going to have to carve out some time for you for that one. Yes. Yeah. That's but it's apparently happen. very, very, very good. I know. It, it came up on all of the, the lists for Revenge. Another one I didn't really know until last minute. And then I was like, oh, shoot. I want to read this sometime. Vicious by V.E. Schwab. That's on my list. And Atonement by Ian McEwen kept coming up. Yeah. And I own that. And I, I've always been really curious about that book. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to try that someday. Someday. You know, someday. we can fold them in, fold them in somewhere else. Sure. Yes. All right. All well, right. let's start talking about mm-hmm. our actual revenge reads. Yes, I am sharing one. This is what I would call social horror. This is called When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen. And it is about a Black woman who returns to her Southern hometown for a plantation wedding and the horror that ensues as she reconnects with the blood-soaked history of the land and the best friends that she left behind. So you've got Mira. She is our main character. And more than 10 years ago, she left her small, segregated hometown in the South Moved still in the South, but to a bigger city. And she left to forget. She distanced herself from her past, from her best friend, Celine, and from her old neighborhood. Celine was her best friend who is white, and she was mocked by their town because she was the only white girl with black friends. And so people like made fun of her for that. There was also this eerie plantation that was rumored to be haunted by the spirits of slaves in this town. And when she was in high school, they were, you know, hanging out and getting into trouble as kids do, they were on a dare and she and her secret love, Jessie, went through a traumatic experience when exploring this plantation, which actually had devastating consequences for Jessie. So things happened and, you know, Mira ends up going to college, leaves, but then she gets the call from her former best friend, Celine. And she, Celine is so excited about her upcoming wedding. This is all she's ever wanted. Celine grew up pretty poor, and so she's very proud to be marrying this man of stature, of influence, who has money. And they're having their wedding at the Woodsman Plantation that traumatized her years ago because, of course, it's been renovated and turned into a luxury resort. And despite her reservations, Mira's like, okay, this is my oldest friend. We have history. I will be in your wedding. And so she agrees and goes back to their hometown to be in the wedding. And so really this book is quite short. It takes place over the course of a couple days and you have like the rehearsal dinner and then the wedding day itself. And she's excited. Mira's like, despite herself, she's like, okay, it's time to go home. I want to see Jesse and maybe see if sparks could fly now that they're adults. Because Jesse is still in the hometown and she's hoping he'll also be at the wedding. So she gets there and unsurprisingly, despite all the fancy renovations that the plantation had, it's still a monument to the racist history. The bar is serving like antebellum drinks and some of the uh, entertainment includes reenactments. And she's getting a very, very unsettling vibe. She's one of the only Black people there who's not working on the plantation. Almost all of the bartenders, the service staff, everybody is all Black. I don't want to say much more than that, but I will say where the revenge comes into play, those that chose to exact revenge have a very understandable reason for wanting to do so. Mm. And I would say, if this sounds good, try not to read the book jacket because it gives away a little bit more than I might have wanted to. I'd like, because I didn't read it, the the book jacket before. And when the reveal came, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I was like kind of (laughs) subtly delighted, even though it's, you know, obviously horrible. But I thought this was so well done. And it was definitely tough to read at times, obviously, given the content matter. I will say, I think I wanted a little bit more depth. I wanted something more, it's quite short. So I think Mm -hmm. that was my not issue, but that was my pause from saying, like, absolutely must read this. I wanted a little bit more, like, character-driven-ness to it. But I still do recommend it. It was very well-written. It was very Southern, very atmospheric. I did the audio and thought it was narrated very well. Um, The narrator was Kara Young. So if you can do audio, I think that one was a a good choice for it. This book was When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen. Okay, great. And you left us with a little bit of intrigue, a lot of intrigue, actually, because you gave nothing away about the revenge. I'm trying to not. It's horror, though. Keep in mind, readers. So it's not like an easy read. It's definitely Mm -hmm. got that social horror aspect. Okay, good. All right. Well, I want to tell you quick and make note that both of my books came as recommendations 
by one of our listeners and Patreon supporters, Jan. And Jan, oh, we were having, man. Jan is the, she's just the sweetest. We were having a Zoom conversation and I had been telling her about my dilemma with finding revenge stories. And we were talking about revenge books and Jan ended up messaging me the next day with two titles. And I was like, done. I'm going to try mm-hmm. both of these and see if I, because I was going through anyway and find, and, and I had other books. I just didn't like them. I couldn't get into them. So the first one that she gave me and that I very much enjoyed is The Stranger Behind You by Carol Goodman. I have not read this author. Mm-mm. I don't know why, but I really enjoyed her writing. This is a book that's set in the former Magdalene Laundry in Manhattan that explores today's Me Too complexities. This is a very modern story, and you have a journalist, and her name is Joan, and she spends three years researching an expose that she ends up publishing. She works for a big magazine. She ends up exposing a famous newspaper tycoon as a sexual predator. So think the Inquirer. That's the type of news, quote unquote, newspaper he ran. But he was very big, very well known and very prominent. And her expose takes him down. So the night before it's published, she is at a party to celebrate in her honor when she on her way home Really, once she gets to her apartment building, she is attacked. She ends up traumatized and is suffering the effects of a concussion. And then very soon after, is given a seven-figure advance. After her expose is published, and she's given a seven-figure advance to write a book to give away more stories, more like, can she take down anybody else? What else did she have on this guy? She decides to go and get a very secure new apartment in this building in Manhattan, and it's called The Refuge. So her plan is to write a book. Now, alternating an alternating perspective is the wife of the newspaper tycoon that she takes down, and her name is Melissa. And that wasn't even in the jacket cover. And so I was pleasantly surprised to get Melissa's side of the story. Now, Melissa had what she thought was a great life, although her and her husband had problems. Her son has recovered from something that happened to him that was very traumatizing. So she thought they were on a good path. And all of a sudden, this story comes out about her husband and him being a sexual predator. And these are wealthy people. This you get the social circle, you get the, you know, the name dropping that like, and her life as she knows it is over. Oh gosh. She is not about to take it all quietly in the shadows. And that's where the revenge aspect comes in. And it's my favorite part was Melissa's perspective. Now, a lot happens. So Joan moves into the apartment building and Very soon after, she meets a 96-year-old woman there named Lillian, and Lillian then comes into the story because Lillian starts giving her, telling Joan her story. She came to the refuge years ago to hide from the mobsters, to hide from mobsters. And so she has a really interesting story, although whenever it cut to Lillian and telling her story, I was like, no, I want to hear more from Melissa. I want to know what Melissa's up to and I want to know what her plans are. And I I also wanted to know what, what else Joan has up her sleeve as far as stories. Who else is she investigating? That was where I would have been more happy is to just have the two of them. So there Mm -hmm. is, there's that third perspective that I just, for me, I didn't need, but I see what the point of having Lillian was. I really, really like this. It is at times a little bit of a slower pace. I thoroughly enjoyed the exploration of the aspects of the Me Too movement and especially from the perspective of the wife of the man who is exposed and taken down. It immediately made me think of Matt Lauer and the Today Show scandal. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, and really, because that was the type of life that they led and that her husband led and very well known. 
So I did alternate print and audio with this. I enjoyed both. Um, the audio was good. So I don't know. I, I recommend it. I like it. I really liked the ending too. It was, oh, it good. went in unexpected directions and I'm ha- I was really happy with the fallout, so to speak, and ha- and what ended up happening. So that's The Stranger Behind You by Carol Goodman. I actually do know this author now that you've said it again. I'm like, yes, I've, I've seen her okay. books floating around before, but I don't know anything about this one. That sounds good, though. It was. Glad it was good. It. Okay. Well, my second book is Your House Will Pay by yes, Steph Cha. You're right. I did know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. This book explores whether or not revenge is a good thing to do, kind of in the vein of Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Okay. Similar idea. But this is a very solid crime novel that covers the tragedies involving two families, one Korean-American and one African-American family, who are grappling with the aftermath of a decades-old crime. It opens up in 1991 in L.A. with Sean Matthews and his sister Ava. And it's kind of in the aftermath of the Rodney King era. And the they're just teens hanging out. They're going to this movie theater. And it ends up not showing the movie because they were afraid that all of these people from the, quote, other side of the tracks were showing up. And so the movie's like, we're not going to show. So people start looting, basically. So that's kind of like the opening scene. You really are set in that tension of the early 90s in L.A. And then the story quickly flashes forward to present day. And it stays there the whole time, where we meet Grace Park. And Grace has led a very sheltered life. She lives with her Korean immigrant parents and works in the family business as a pharmacist. You're kind of wondering, like, how are these two folks connected? And it opens up in present day. A black teenager has just been killed by the police, and L.A. is as tense as it's been since the unrest of the early 90s. This thought is kind of newer to Grace. She's really never taken a lot of time to think about racial tensions, gun violence, and she's trying to understand what's going on. She's also trying to understand her sister, who is more of an activist, who is finding her voice, and her sister has not talked to their mother in years. So there's this odd tension going on in her family. Sean is an adult now, went through some things, grew up in the way he did, and he was in prison for a little bit, but now he has gotten his life back together and he's working for a moving company. Understandably, he's never gotten over the death of his sister and this new shooting and the new tension in LA is bringing up painful memories for him. But he's doing well and he's got this partner of his own now and he's focusing on helping his family. As his cousin Ray, they used to run around together, Ray has now just gotten out of prison and needs to reconnect with the family. This book is about one final crime that links both the Park and the Matthews family. And it took me a minute to really understand like the structure and where we were going. But once I did, I was like, oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. They come together in ways that you couldn't have expected. And you basically get to see how these characters deal with their shared history. I don't want to say a ton, but if you need, if you're a reader that needs more, this is based on a true story. I was telling my husband about it. He's like, this happened for real. I'm like, what? And he pulled up the story. And yes, it's the story of Latasha Harris, who was killed in 1991. And in the author's note, the author acknowledges that she was inspired to write this fictional story from that case, but she holds to the details very accurately. So If you want a little preview, you can read about what happened to Latasha Harris, because that's basically what happened in this book. If you want to not do that, read about her after. Mm -hmm. I really did like the structure of the book. I love that we got to meet Ava when she was alive and got to see Sean's relationship with her. He idolized his big sister and gosh, you felt I, I was it's devastating to lose somebody. And like you really there are some passages that stop me in my tracks. I largely listened to this, and I remember stopping when Sean's reflecting on having lost his sister and how maybe the worst part of it all is how he now does not get to have her as an adult friend. Mm-hmm. I could cry right now because it's uh-huh. so good. So you get to see how special they were to each other, and you see really all sides. The weaker part for me was Grace's character, and I think that's just where I am as a person. She was very naive and had not kind of, this was her very first time thinking about racism and thinking about, um, you know, what's going on in, in, in today's world. She kind of graded on me at, at times, but that's the point. I do think absolutely that's the point. It was well done, and it truly did make me react, So, mm-hmm. and I know that was what we were supposed to get. 
this book's about racial tensions. It's about grief. It's about understanding. And ultimately, is there a way that you can find forgiveness? The writing is excellent and it's super well done. Cha did a great job writing about race relations between these two communities, Asian communities and Black communities, very well without making it to after school special. It's nuanced. Despite all of my like hype, there was something ephemeral that I can't put my finger on that prevented me from going a full five star. Okay. And I think I've landed on the, I wanted a little bit more growth from some of the characters and I'll leave it there. Still absolutely worth the read. And I will certainly remember this book. So this was Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha. Okay, good. I've always wondered about that. I'm glad that you read it and enjoyed it for the most part, it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, definitely enjoyed it. It it was hard to read. I will say it wasn't one that I was like, yeah, I get to read this. It was like, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, you know, because it's a very emotional book, Mm -hmm. but that's good. You know, that's what I like in reading. The cover is super striking. It's black and yellow and it looks like this honeycomb. Very, very cool cover. And I'm glad I read it. It's been on my my shelf or my to-be-read list for a long time. And so I think it's worth picking up. Okay, good. All right. Well, my second book is one that I had known the title. Jan hit it out of the park with this one for me. It is An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. This book. I know. I I did not know anything about this other than I remembered the title. I just remembered, but it was never on my radar as a possible revenge book. And when I popped over after I finished onto Goodreads, I saw that you had read it. So, okay, this is a short book in translation, and I'm going to keep what I have to say very short because I think the less you know going in, the better. I knew nothing about this story other than there was going to be some element of revenge. Imagine my surprise when I get this on audio and I start to take in this story. It's a 171-page mystery. So super short, super short on audio too. It consists of five connected short stories. And don't let that fool you. It all read as one really main story to me. And each story features Maud. And Maud is an 88-year-old retired teacher who lives all alone in her large rent-free apartment. She travels the world, surfs the internet, is darkly funny knows that people underestimate her, so she often pretends to be hard of hearing and feeble. Which, oh, my <laughs> God. And, oh, yeah, she's a serial killer. Yeah, I cannot tell you, like, just my surprise and kind of joy, which sounds so bad, to find out that Maud has a lot up her sleeve. The stories in this book jump around in time, and we get to know Maud and her sly, calculating mind. This book could also have been called Don't Cross Maud, You'll Regret It. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very easily. She dishes out her own methods of revenge, often not to get back at people, but simply because she's irritated or fed up. When I say she was one of the most interesting characters I have read, I am not exaggerating. And as I mentioned, this is a mystery. And that aspect comes in when one of Maud's murders don't go as planned and ends up leading to the question, will someone figure out what Maud has been up to? And that's where I want to leave it. It's definitely worth just jumping in and going. I laughed. I binged this on audio in, a, in an afternoon, and I loved it. Uh, I've already downloaded the sequel. I'm going to listen to that one as well. And that was An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. Oh my gosh. Yes, this is a perfect pick for this episode. And I would not have thought of it. Maude is a star. I read this a couple years ago and I still am like, yep, I know exactly the character's (laughs) name. I know who who you're talking about. She's, She's a great character. Oh, she was funny. And the audio the audio narrator did a great job with yeah. when when Maud would pretend that she couldn't hear someone. Oh my gosh. And that oh, she was good. she was like this little old lady who could and the narrator just oh played that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I read this in print, so I'm glad to hear the audio was was a good one. Oh, definitely. It's translated from Swedish, I believe, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let me tell you about my shelf edition. Okay. I got this. These are some of my favorite ways to get books. This was shared on Corolla Lovering's Instagram story. Oh. And so I love when authors that I love share books that they're excited about from their fellow author friends. Just something about that. Like, uh, maybe I'm a creep. Because <laughs> now, <laughs> now that I've read a novel obsession, I'm like, like thinking, because she does a lot of social media stalking. I'm like, do I have stalkers? Am I stalking people? Like, am I a creep? I'm not sure. No, you're just so. watching stories. I'm just watching stories. But the book that I'm bringing is called The Wild One by Colleen McKeegan. And this one comes out on June 14th. This is a dark and twisted coming-of-age thriller about a deadly childhood secret that binds three young women and threatens to destroy their lives. Amanda Brooks is a born-and-bred New Yorker, and she's got an envious life. She is in a great grad school program, lives in Tribeca, and is head over heels for her handsome and committed boyfriend. But of course, things are not as picture perfect as they seem because she has a dark secret, one that she's been hiding for over a decade. It goes back to summer camp when she was younger, when a man died in the woods. And fellow campers, Catherine and Meg, were there too. And in the years since, not one of them has spoken about what happened that day. Until Amanda slips and the truth threatens to explode The tightly woven facade of her life and her past begins to poison her present. It's threatening her relationship. She has no one to turn to but the other two women who know what happened. So they get reunited, and they're desperate to put the demons of that summer to rest. Guys, come on now. You know I love a reckoning. Mm -hmm. You know I love... I like that this book took place at a summer camp in part, so that very much gives me summer vibes, summer reading. Giving me, I know what you did last summer. The movie, that's what I'm hearing oh, when I heard the synopsis okay, of this yeah. book a little okay. bit. Because I'm like, I bet Amanda, you part, you you had a hand in this, babe. What did you do? <laughs> so very interested to see this one. It's called The Wild One by Colleen McKeegan. Okay. And you do like friends coming back <gasps> together. Catnip. Catnip. Mm-hmm. I cannot help myself. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. My shelf edition plays into one of my niche book tropes. When you mentioned niche book tropes, that is what caught my eye with this one. It is Trust by Hernan Diaz, and it comes out May 3rd. And this has been named Most Anticipated Book of 2022 by Vulture, Oprah Daily, Lit Hub, Goodreads, and more. And it's a novel about money, power, intimacy, and perception. And here's the niche part of it for me. I am drawn to books set in New York City in the 1920s. I mean, how mm-hmm. how niche. <laughs> and this is this is set in the roaring 1920s. If everyone in New York has heard of Benjamin and Helen Rask. He is a legendary Wall Street tycoon. She is the daughter of eccentric aristocrats. So together they live a life of endless wealth. As time goes on, people start to wonder at what cost have they acquired their immense fortune? And this is the mystery that's at the center of a novel that ends up being published in 1937, and it seems to be about this family. So the novel is exploring privilege and deceit, and I think what it sounds like is people are wondering, is that the family that's in this novel? And it almost sounds like a book within a book. And Mm -hmm. it is being billed as a brilliant literary puzzle that engages the reader in the quest for truth while confronting the deceptions that live at the heart of personal relationships and money and power. I know it sounds a little confusing. I was a little confused reading it, but the literary puzzle and the setting mm-hmm. and the time period yep. and the fact that you're dealing with potentially wealthy people behaving badly. And really, that's what caught my eye on this. And that was Trust by Hernan Diaz. Mm-hmm. Yep. The literary puzzle one. That's the buzzwords that got me I know, too. I was like, that sounds, I know. that sounds good. Yeah. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, 
You can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash book talk, etc. We want to thank our Discord moderators, Zach at Zachary.goodreads and Genevieve at Genevieve.reading for helping us with our Discord. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Can you hear John banging around in the weight room down there? No. I'm like, what is that sound? I'm like, that is our squat rack. <laughs> it's like directly underneath where I am oh in our basement. Gosh. No, I can't hear it. <sighs> oh, Good. that's funny.